I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Irish Times Business Podcast in association with Irish Life. We're here to support your company and your employees now and in the future. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week is all about Budget 2020, which was delivered by Minister for Finance Pascal Donoghue earlier today. It comprised a 2.9 billion euro package of tax and spending measures, although there was little by way of surprises. Later in the show, you'll hear from Cliff Taylor and Fiona Redden of the Irish Times and Liam Diamond of PwC, who will give us their view on the main measures. But first, to discuss the headline numbers in the budget, I'm joined on the line from Leinster House by Irish Times political reporter Jen. Jennifer Braid. Jennifer, thank you for joining us. Uh, go through some of the headline details for us today in Pascal Dunhu's speech. Sure. I mean, first of all, I'd say I think we all knew that the budget wouldn't exactly be surprising or exciting. But there was a lot of talk about the fact that this would be Fine Gael's last budget before the next election. But far from being an election budget, it really is, at the end of the day, a Brexit budget. So what we were given this afternoon were some details around how the government plans to mitigate financially against those dark clouds which are on the horizon. So just to say that the Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue, he didn't necessarily strike a negative tone. He said that as a country, we have the measure of what it would take to cope with this although the ramifications may be worse than expected. So in this vein, what was announced today was effectively a 1.2 billion Brexit package. Now, this excludes EU funding. So just to drill down into some of the detail on that, 200 million euro of this will be made available next year, regardless of what kind of Brexit we're looking at. Where will this go? This will go into staffing and infrastructure ports and airports and also around the area of IT. So that will go ahead regardless. Um, but if there is the no deal Brexit, which it looks, I think it's fair to say, increasingly more likely as the days take on, then we have these series of further interventions. So it's important also to note that this is borrowed money, this extra money, um, and it will be 650 million euro, which will be made available to support agriculture, enterprise and tourism and roughly a third of this will be made available straight away so what what they're looking at basically is helping viable firms get through kind of those choppy waters and there'll also be funds as part of this for different brexit grants and loan schemes and a lot of the immediate support will go towards in in agriculture will go towards i think beef and the fishing fleet um another key aspect of it of the budget that we, we heard Pascal Donoghue announced was a lot of this money will be funneled into efforts to sort of reorientate the country towards new markets. So in this vein, there'll be 85 million for beef farmers, 14 million for fisheries, 6 million for livestock and 5 million for the food and drink industry. And I think it's also been well flagged that tourism is one of the industries which is stand to be severely impacted. So the government has pledged 40 million euro there. Right. OK, now what's been the opposition reaction to these measures? I mean, the the opposition reaction, it's interesting because obviously everybody acknowledges the the 
serious risk that Brexit poses. And I think Fianna Fáil say that, you know, they do support the government in relation to Brexit um, and they believe that this must be the priority. But they did have what I thought was interesting with quite strong words in relation to our corporation tax situation. Uh, Their finance spokesman, Michael McGrath, said that if the tide turns on our corporate tax windfall, uh, which we see every year, that we are in, and I quote him, the deepest of trouble. Um, He pointed out that the corporation tax boom could end and this could leave us potentially with a huge black hole in our public finances. This is something that's been reflected across the different opposition benches, but I think he reserves some of his strongest words um, for that. Privately, some in Labour believe that this wasted opportunity to increase welfare rates for people who would lose out next year between a combination of inflation and the impact of a no-deal Brexit. Um, and Sinn Féin believe that the budget was a wasted opportunity also to look after kind of hard-pressed families and vulnerable groups because, of course, we saw no across-the-board tax cuts, no across-the-board welfare increases. Right, OK, although there, there were some targeted measures, I know. Now, just you mentioned this being possibly an election budget, and if it was... From the point of view of Fianna Gael, it was a bit of a damn squib. There were no giveaways. Fianna Fáil were legendary at giving away in budgets in years gone past. Maybe not wisely, uh, as it turned out, but no giveaways in this budget, that's for sure. No, no. And, and I think the reluctance to cut tax, um, especially across the board tax, but it does line the government's strong desire not to have a second budget or an emergency budget. They do remember and they point out recently, a lot of times in recent weeks, the impact that Brian Lenehan's April 2009 budget had on the public and indeed on the public's voting choices. And that's a road that they do not want to go down. So while it, it, there's no big giveaways inherent in a lot of their choices, they have an eye on the polls but that's not to say there aren't certain measures in welfare there's an 100% Christmas bonus that's a popular measure there is a five year increase in the living alone allowance and there's increases in the one parent family uh, payment disregard Um, there's also an increase of two euro in the fuel allowance which would be rebranded as the energy allowance and this is to offset some of the uh, impacts that uh, the increase in the carbon tax might have so it might not look outright like an election budget but you can be sure that a lot of the decisions made one eye on the public finances and Brexit but the other eye on on the polls. Yeah and finally Jennifer what's your best guess for when we might have that election? Well, a lot of it does depend, as always, on what happens across the water and what happens with Boris Johnson's administration. But I do believe uh, that the talk, um, increasingly so in the last number of days, I must say, is that if an extension is granted, which is the way it seems to be going, let's say that extension is a long one, maybe six months. If it's a long extension, we're looking probably, maybe, I should say, at an election in November. That seems to be what the different parties are pushing for. There's a real sense around the dull that this administration has done. No, but I can say that in previous budgets, you'd see the Dáil Chamber will be packed and the uh, press gallery will be packed. There were empty spaces all throughout the Dáil and there are only 14 members of the press gallery registered to sit on the, uh, up on the gallery. So that says a lot. It's, it was a real non-event and the feeling now is it's time for an election. All right, Jennifer, we appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. Thank uh, you. Fiona Redden, uh, who are the winners and losers in your opinion from this budget? Um, hi, Kieran. Well, unfortunately for everyone out there, I think the winners are few this year and the losers are many. And the reason I say that is because there were no changes at all to um, income taxes, no changes to the bans, no changes to the credits. I mean, typically what we see is is, is called indexation, where the the credits and bans will rise, increase with wage with wage inflation, which is about three percent at the moment. And because there were no changes there, it means that actually people are going to pay more tax now. Their effective rate is going to increase because they're going to pay more at the higher rate of taxes. So that's for everyone out there who's earning um, an income. And I just did some sums for you there. A single person earning thirty thousand euro a year, mm. they're going to see no change next year. Mm. 
Married worker, one income, 70 grand, no difference next year. Widower, earning 20 grand, no difference. What about the higher earners? How are they going to fare? Um, just the same. I mean, they're going to, again, pay a certain amount more of their income at the higher rates, but there wasn't anything specific to them. Unless they're self-employed, they're going to win a tiny bit. But Right, OK. Winners? Yeah, so the winners then, self-employed people, they're going to pay three euro less in tax a week next year. 150 euro over the year. Uh, for families where one of the spouses works at home, they're going to pay um, 100 euro less in tax next year mm. over the course of the year. So, I mean, I mean when we say winners, it is moderate. It's modest, yeah. Winning. There were also some family-related uh, measures, weren't there? I mean, the, the uh, GP care, for example, for children being extended yeah, to under-8s. Yeah, that's been extended under-8s from next September. And free dental for under-6s. Under yeah. So the, and there was more money as well allocated to the National Child Care Scheme. But whether that's new money or old money isn't quite clear. Right. What about housing? Um, what measures were announced on housing? I mean, it's good for first-time buyers. Help to buy has been retained in its current format yeah. in spite of concerns or I mean, there, yeah, there it being been flagged concerns. by Leave Record that it should be cut. Yeah, which I think it was quite surprising actually that he didn't cut it because 500,000 for first-time buyers, quite a high limit. And you do wonder, does it make developers pitch their product at the higher, you know, at end of the market? Price, yeah. Now, mind you, a first-time buyer in Dublin might say, what does 500,000 buy you? Not an awful lot, probably. Uh, well, I, just, I don't you know. Disagree. About, <laughs> I disagree on that. I mean, there's, there's plenty around 350,000, say, but there's very, very little around 250,000. Okay. Well, that was obviously a win for Fianna Fáil in this Budget, and for the property sector right yeah. across the board because they've been lobbying and lobbying hard for a long time now to extend it. I mean, they were very disappointed that the extension only came today. They wanted it there months ago because yeah. obviously it led to some uncertainty. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015. Cliff, we were talking about personal taxation. One of the um, measures that the Fine Gael, uh, Fine Gael talked about introducing um, during this uh, government was a merger of PRSI and USC. They seem to have kicked that can down the road. Yeah, I think the writing was on the wall for that earlier this year when um, Minister Pascal who gave kind of a Yes, Minister, kind of a speech on, you know, that he needs further consideration and mm. uh, an announcement will be made in due course and all that. Yeah. Uh, it's just very complicated because the USC and PRSI apply at different rates, at different income points to different people. And merging them is just very complicated. Uh, and one and of the risks is that you lose revenue if, uh, yeah. depending on what, on what model you use. So I, I think well exactly they, pers- they published a, a working group paper didn't they yeah. um, today which which shows that there would be a, a substantial loss yeah. uh, from US uh, from merging PRSI and, and USC yeah yeah and one of the models you know could run into the billions it obviously depends how you do it mm. but I think kind of looking back on it this whole thing about merging the USC and PRSI was a bit of a cover to kind of for Fine Gael to gradually crawl away from their commitment to abolish the USC or phase it out altogether. Uh, you might remember that was, you know, in the last election campaign and in the programme for government that they would continue to ab- continue to abolish or some strange word was used, the, U- the USC. You know, we, we just simply can't afford that. Uh, it's, it's a central part of our tax system. It was introduced as an emergency measure during the crash. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, for the moment at least, we're, we're stuck with it, I think. 
Yeah. Uh, Liam Diamond, what's the, what's the PwC message to clients from today's budget? Uh, I think it depends what clients you're speaking to. If you're speaking to SMEs and smaller businesses, I think they'll welcome, you know, while there hasn't been drastic changes, there's been the extension of a lot of very favourable reliefs. And yeah, talk of, us through some of those. Yeah, so so things like modifications to the KEEP scheme for share options, um, the, the old BES scheme, what's now called the EEI scheme. Uh, up, business up, expansion, up, the old business expansion yeah, scheme. Up, yeah, upping the limits on those so that individuals can get now from 150 up to 250 yeah. grand of... Uh, of tax relief effectively for investment. R&D credits? R&D credits, again, for, for SMEs, the rate being upped from 25 to 30, and for all claimants of the, of the credit, uh, the ability to, to now outsource up to 15% to university and get credits. So quite a lot of extensions in, in the time frame for some existing relief, some small modifications. Some extra release for microbreweries? Yeah, I'll be a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of microbreweries, but uh, I can't say I'm an expert on the, uh, the taxation of same. But um, So I think... In the round, nothing too harmful, lots of small measures that I think, you know, for particular companies and SMEs will make an impact. Now, there was one thing, there, were, there was no change to the capital gains tax uh, entrepreneurial relief. And there had been an expectation coming into the budget that he would increase that. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised that he, that I suppose that the government didn't feel they needed to be seen to do something. We've been, you know, I think all tax advisors and business have been lobbying hard to try and up the level of entrepreneur relief to compete yeah. with the UK in particular. So I think many had expected that there might be some modest change there. Um, and again, while we see lots of the details coming through in finance bill, I wouldn't have expected a positive announcement to keep to be kept back for the uh, for the tax geeks on finance bill day. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at the larger multinationals, the FTI community, um, no surprises, a lot of good positive statements around our tax rate and tax regime. Nothing coming through in the budget and finance bill that has not been well flagged already. Probably would have been nice to see some commentary from the minister on a couple of things that are still out there to be addressed, like our interest limitation rules and whether we would move to a territorial regime to be more competitive with, with our European competitor countries. But again, not, nothing bad or negative for the broader, sort of larger corporate space. What about the changes in uh, taxation on these schemes of arrangement that are used by uh, some PLCs when when effectively there's a change of ownership happening and also changes uh, flagged for these property REITs? Yeah, I think this, you know, this is probably one of the big areas where, um, you know, I suppose the minister is looking to raise revenue here. So between some of the stamp duty changes around non-residential property and some of the anti-avoidance measures around the tax-exempt funds uh, and, and I suppose, upping the level of tax they would pay, between the, between the two of those areas, that's raising about £220 million in revenue. So I think on, on things like stamp duty, clearly in the past, um, a couple of years ago, I think they looked to generate quite a big increase in the stamp duty take. And it worked? It, it worked to an extent, I would say. The question this year is um, the number that the minister is looking to, to yield from his changes of about 140 million. That probably suggests there's a much bigger commercial property market there than we're seeing at the minute. So I think yeah, I think we heard that the last time when we, commercial we, we property did. was put up a couple of years ago. And I yep. seem to recall that actually the numbers... Pretty much came to came to bear. Yeah, I mean, well, well, we'll see this time. Certainly, I think the concern is that in the intervening period, a lot of the, the large institutional investors have already had a number of tax changes to deal with. They've got more coming through here, broadly looking to, I suppose, up the level of tax they pay. So I think at some point, the danger is that this area, you know, will get oversoaked and may, may stymie investment. 
But certainly that is the one area where the Minister is looking to raise revenue, be it from, I suppose, just general commercial property transactions or from the institution investors. We have a 10-page commercial property section tomorrow, so it doesn't suggest to me that the commercial uh, property industry is being uh, soaked uh, as it were. Good for the Irish Times. Yeah, indeed. Um, Cliff, what do you make of that? I mean, it's about time that the government started uh, taxing, properly taxing some of these arrangements, isn't it? I mean, a lot of these so-called vulture funds, I know they don't like that term being used, but a, a lot of them have made, I mean, they've made it like bandits in this country over the last number of years. They have, yeah. I mean, taxes here were cut on inward investment for those kind of funds during the crisis because we were so desperate for cash. And, you know, the highlight or the high, uh, the highlight measure, if you like, was the cut in commercial property um, stamp duty to to 2%, uh, which is obviously a very low rate by international standards and uh, attracted a lot of investment in. But as you say, a lot of structures have emerged, which I think probably weren't, um, which probably weren't foreseen at the time uh, when the, uh, when they were put in place. And a lot of uses of the various reliefs were emerged, which have, have led to effectively I, I, very little tax being paid at all by these funds. Most of these date back to 2011, when we were still in the bailout, it's, it's it, fair to say. Yeah, yeah, but it's obviously hugely politically sensitive and I think, uh, you know, the Minister is shooting into an open goal in terms of tightening up on these things and uh, okay. the commercial property industry, you know, there were press releases in my inbox, you know, half a minute after the announcement was made, uh, warning about the impact on this. But, you know, I think the Minister shrug his shoulders and say, I'll just have to get on with yeah, it. Yeah, I think a lot of people will. Uh, let's talk Brexit. 1.2 yeah. billion the government is talking about as a sure. you know, potential overall uh, yeah. package, but 650 million uh, immediately if there's a no-deal Brexit. Uh, yeah. It looks like we're going to be borrowing this money, but he's, uh, he's been quite detailed on how this money will be spent. There does seem on the face of it to be a lot of supports being offered here. Yeah, and it was the first time I think we've seen the government outline exactly what it might do. Mm. Uh, as Jennifer said, 1.2 billion of 200 million to be spent, whatever happens on customs and excise and uh, ports and airports and that kind of carry on. The kind of things which are going to be needed no matter why, what way Brexit works out. Uh, and another billion to be spent on helping companies of which he's kind of went into some detail on 650 million. Uh, and breaking that down further again, he said over 100 million w- would be ready to go on day one. One of the things I, th- I think businesses will be looking at the detail of this, they'll be looking at what the qualification rules are, uh, how much is grants, how much is loans, uh, how much what is equity, how is it going to work. to a loan, for example? Yeah, what, exactly. And what's going to happen? I know a lot of companies will be putting, may, may be forced, in the case of an ODL, to put workers on part-time. And one of the things that the employers and the unions have both been asking for are supports for the employee and the company in that kind of situation so that the worker stays connected to the company, if you like, that, that, that the whole thing doesn't fall apart. And the phrase that was used a few times in the budget were you know, supporting companies that are vulnerable but viable, which is which is a good phrase. I mean, it, it does look like a lot is available. I think the difficulty for the government is just how uncertain this all is. Uh, first of all, is it going to happen? When it might happen? And what the impact might be? We still don't know, for example, exactly what tariffs might apply on goods moving from Ireland to the UK. We have some idea, but we don't know the final decision on that. We still don't know what the regime will be for companies exporting into the north. You know, Where will border checks be? Will there be border checks? What bureaucracy we will companies have We simply don't know if this money is going to be enough. Absolutely. In and, and in fairness to the Minister, he did, he, he did concede that. He said, look, this is very uncertain. If you read the budget documents, they say, the budget deficit next year is forecast to be 0.6%, but it, but it could be a lot different from that. I've never seen that in a budget Irish bu- government budget document before. They always say, this is the target, we're going to stick to it, we're going to hit it. This year they're saying, this is the target, but listen, we can't really stand over this because we don't know what might happen if there's no deal Brexit. There is other money on standby in the rainy day fund, the yeah. government would argue, you know, no deal Brexit is, is the rainy day. 
but there's no doubt also that we're heading into a lot of uncertainty. You know, how long would a no deal last? You know, would it last for a year, two years? Would it I last for six months? He's talking about borrowing this money as well. Yes. Um, is that a wise thing to do, given that we already have a 200 billion national debt? Uh, you'd prefer not to have to. Um, there's no doubt about that. And I mean, I suppose there were a lot of calls on the minister over the last few years to use the build-up in corporation tax to put a little more money aside. But, you know, that water's under the bridge now, if you like. Uh, we are where we are, to use that awful phrase that we use so many times during the financial crisis. So there probably isn't another way to access this money. I think probably reasonably the minister wants to leave the kind of rainy day fund of money, money aside kind of as an emergency back pocket in case things get really difficult. But okay. there's never been a better time to borrow money. Uh, we, can, we can go out and borrow long-term money at you know very low interest rates at the moment. No reason why that should change, I don't think, in the short term. Um, and, and assuming it's a short-term shock, albeit a, a pretty hard short-term shock and that the economy does start to recover, you know, hopefully it'll be okay. Interestingly, the budget documents also say that it, they kind of see a two-phase thing here so that they expect multinationals here will continue to ramp up, investment will continue to come into the economy from America and also, I suppose, financial companies relocating and the domestic sector, the rural sector, is the one that's going to hit, be hit. So it's not kind of like... I suppose a financial shock that hits the whole economy at once. It's going to hit one bit really hard and and the ripples will spread. I thought it was interesting that he talked about even in a no-deal scenario we'll add 19,000 jobs next year, which... Yeah, there's a bit of a a finger in the air, I think, there, you know, in fairness. Um, But if that were to be the outcome now, it doesn't sound too bad. No, it doesn't. Uh, It doesn't. But at the same time, remember that we've been adding kind of 1,000 jobs a week for Mm. a long time now. So that would be a lot less than would have been the case otherwise. The uncertainties are in sectors like beef and farming and agriculture incomes there they could they could get a really severe belt belt and could face real questions about their long you know their viability okay. uh, and in that scenario can you step in and help companies that may, may never be viable in future it's, it's a tricky Liam, one let's talk climate change um he announced today that um that the carbon charge uh, essentially is going to go up um the the, the long term goal is to raise it from um 20 euros to 80 euros per ton by 2030 and he's going to do that in a, a phased way so he's committed to an initial 6 euro increase as a first step towards that target can you sort of in you know pound shillings and, and pence for people can you sort of put uh, contextualize that for us in terms of what it might mean for people uh, at the pumps on a forecourt or in terms of home heating oil or in terms of, you know, whatever other measures uh, a carbon tax might impact? Yeah, and I, I must admit, I'm, I'm not a, an expert by any means in the carbon tax, but the, today's measure looks at raising 130 million. Um, and you'd have to expect, as you say, that if we're gradually going to get from 20 effectively today to 80, um, 80 euros carbon tax per tonne, uh, by 2030, then that's going to ramp up year on year. So whether it's you know X cent in you, as you it, per per gallon as you fill your car or per liter, whether it's um, Y cent coming out of fuel, coming out of oil, I think everyone is going to notice an incremental hit every year. And, and also on things maybe like a little snuck in measure today around electricity tax being broadened to all, where I think up until now we've all had a little bit of an exemption on that on the domestic use side. So I think... So how that, just explain that to us. How will that work? So I think at the moment uh, you've got um, businesses uh, pay about uh, 50 cent per megawatt hour. 
and I think at the moment we are all exempt from, from domestic use on that. So what he, what he, our households, what he said in the in the budget st- speech was this would be extended to all. So again, probably not seismic, but in the context of a little bit from carbon tax, a little bit from, say, something like electricity tax in your ESB bill, I think people are going to notice this month on month. Uh, it it'll, might take a little while, but I think once this settles in with the expectation that as we look to next year, it's going to be another round of the same things, people will start to feel this more and more in their pockets. Yeah, Fiona, have you worked out on the back of a, a cigarette envelope, as it were, what this might mean at the pumps, let's say? Yeah, well, from tomorrow, I think, or midnight tonight, it's going to mean two cents a litre on diesel and 1.7 cents on petrol straight away. Right, so we're not getting any income tax relief and he's chipping away he's at chipping our away. take-home pay. As but what I guess the other side of it is he is making electric cars more attractive again. Well, not again, but he's continuing mm. that. Except they're not terribly attractive in terms of their range. Well, it depends where you want to go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, if you want to go anywhere anywhere far... <laughs> well, I think they're improving all the time. You need be a good fair. win behind you. You need a good win behind you, yeah, it's, it's for and sure. And he, he did allocate more money as well for um, more of the charging points yeah. across the country. Cliff, did he go far enough on climate change? or? It's a very small step, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, he did nothing last year. There had been expectations that maybe he'd increase the tax by 10 euro this year. He went by What do you think six. Greta Thunberg would... Think I think she'd say you got to do better. I think you've got you got to do more. You got to do it quicker, because you know this this amount on its own isn't going to change people's behaviour. Mm. Like like that's that kind of swing that Fiona was talking about. You know you might pay an extra uh, euro, you know euro euro twenty on your fill up of petrol at the weekend. You know your sixty euro fill depending on your petrol petrol or diesel. That's the kind of swing that might come from higher or lower international prices anyway. Um, okay, the minister has in fairness committed himself and committed Fine Gael to this €80 Euro target by 2030. So that's might start to kind of start raising something in people's heads. But really, we're at, we're, at the, we're at the foothills of this. We're way behind on our targets. We're moving slowly. OK, we're planning to invest a lot more over the next few years, but we've, we've, we've a long way to go, and it's a, it's a slow enough start. It's a slow enough start, yeah. OK, well, maybe that's a signal that an election is just around the corner. Now, in terms of old reliables, the packet of fags hit again, Cliff. Yeah, 50 cent. And uh, I think it's the one that's been hit every year. I mean, drink used to be hit every year as well. And it's, it's managed to move off the uh, move off the radar in the last few years. I, I, you, you just wonder in terms of, of tobacco, obviously, it's it's portrayed as a as a health measure and, and, and is in, a, in, in to a large extent. But or will we start to get to the point of diminishing returns uh, in terms of people's use in terms of the actual revenue coming from the tax? In terms of the risk of smuggling, in terms of the, you know, people buying on the black market or whatever, will become increasing factors with this. We just have to wait and see. But it was one of the, I guess, few measures that's going to hit us in the pocket: uh, cigarettes, carbon yeah. tax. Now, Cliff, you also talked about fiscal sustainability, which could mean any one of a number of things, and they've produced a paper on that which seems to be suggesting they're looking at the whole area, broadly speaking, of corporation tax. Yeah, they're, they're, it does. It's, it's kind of a technical paper and it looks at the way the EU rules are applied to us at the moment and the way we apply them. Uh, and, and the bottom line is that maybe we should be a bit tougher on ourselves. Uh, maybe rather than aiming for a deficit, a small deficit every year, as the EU would seem to, as a minimum, which the EU would oblige us to do, we should actually be aiming for significant surpluses. Now, obviously, this is this is setting Brexit to one side, if you like, as a one-off event. But it's just saying that Maybe we need to be doing a bit more in terms of preparing ourselves, given the high level of our existing debt 
and our exposure to corporation tax. Maybe we should be putting more of the corporation tax away. One of the difficult bits there is trying to judge which bits of the corporation tax take are going to continue and which bits you know, might be might be vulnerable if a company were to leave or there were to be a change in the international yeah. regime as is now in the wind but Liam, far from agreed. Liam, does PwC have any sense of that? I mean, I think the... the Certainly, for the last number of years, as as the corporate tax receipts have have ratcheted up, you know, you know, I think it was probably looking at about at least ten percent this year, but but even more in some in terms of some of the upticks in recent years. Um, like a lot of the international rules are already in play or are very well known, and they haven't diminished. You know, I suppose they haven't diminished new companies coming in to set up a set up in Ireland or domestic businesses uh, establishing and entrepreneurs, I suppose, moving on. Um, the I think what has to come yet, which is now being debated at the OECD, is all around digital taxes, digital models, and some level of leaving behind a measure, a measure of tax in the local markets for companies who operate cross-border. That's probably at least three to four years away before we really see that land. Ireland is part of that process at the OECD. And while I think it will, it, it will probably dampen down a little bit um, our corporate tax receipts, the question is between now and then, do they continue the trajectory they're on or do they start to level out naturally and then come back a little bit? Certainly at the moment, um, we're not seeing anything to suggest that there's any rocket fuel behind it that isn't just general international economy doing well, companies looking to, certainly a lot of the FDI and financial services companies look into Ireland as a safe haven for Brexit, notwithstanding the broader economy will t- will take a hit and food and agri. So I think there, there, it's hard to see where they will fall away given that, there aren't that many unknowns out there from an international tax perspective. Fiona, uh, Pascal Donoghue had signalled in advance of the budget that the idea was to Brexit proof us or proof us against a no deal Brexit in the round, having listened to his speech and having studied some of the documents, do you think it does that? Um, I think it's an impossible task, isn't it, to Brexit proof something we don't really know what, what it will turn out to be like. I mean, I guess he is pushing some firepower behind certain sectors that do look most at risk. But, I mean, going back to my first point, he hasn't done anything to, I guess, improve consumer spending, has he? Because he has has given nothing back to most, the vast majority of people. What about on housing? Uh, I mean, a few initiatives announced on housing today. Yes, we mentioned Help to Buy. There's mm. also the Living City Initiative, which is aimed at regenerating certain parts of um, towns and cities across Ireland. He's, he's extended that out. He's, yeah. he's given more money to HAP. Um, which is um, housing rental assistance program, assistance, yeah. yeah. So that'll help people meet the ever rising rents. But if that's the most sensible approach, I don't or not, I don't know. I mean, because that'll just put more money back into the and in the area of social funds you were talking about earlier, capital funding of more than one point one billion euro to support the delivery of more than eleven thousand new social homes in twenty twenty. And a further 12,000 will be delivered in 2021. Cliff, they sound, they sound remarkably ambitious targets, 11,000 and 12,000. Yeah, in terms of the total needs, they do, I think. Given that we, this year, what, what are we expecting, Twenty or 21,000 houses possibly, to be built right across yeah. the economy? I think he says delivery, though, Sarah. It doesn't mean completion, yeah. does it? Good question. I'm not <laughs> right, sure. Does it? Uh, it does seem like a high number. I think what it perhaps signifies... Uh, is that the government is 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 being pulled into this direct provision of housing? I mean, I think this has been on the cards for a few years now. They've been trying to get the public sector to build more quickly. There has been some increase, bit of a fall off now this year as prices have started to stabilise. A uh, bit of an issue about the 
price at which houses are being made available by the private sector. I think the public sector is just getting pulled more and more, and this is obviously going to be a big issue now in the, in the general election, which, according to Jennifer, could be as soon as November if there's a long Brexit extension, which took me by surprise, I have to admit. That's interesting. Yeah, sure. And uh, let's just maybe finally talk about health spending. He seemed to be suggesting that they've, uh, they've, they've got a handle on yeah. this uh, overspending, annual overspend that, that seems to overrun, that seems to happen. Um, this year, it's it's half of what it was last year, yeah. which is maybe no great achievement, but nonetheless, it's a it's a start, I guess. They've they've uh, they're allocating an extra billion euro. Um, yeah, I think this is the point. You know, health health has overspent despite these huge extra allocations. It's not like it's been trying to be held to a to a very tight limit. Now, in fairness, there were cuts, pretty heavy cuts during the crisis. It was one of the areas that suffered, but it's got got very significant resources in the last few years, and. As you say, overspending still continuing, albeit not at the not at the rate we've seen in the last few years, uh, a few hundred million this year. I think the bigger issue is probably politically for the government is delivery in terms of the money being spent. So are people getting better services? And the problem is still seeing long waiting lists, uh, you know, for a whole range of treatments. Um, still seeing very slow delivery in areas like the children's hospital. And I think. You know this this whole area of of who can deliver is going to be a big one in the in, you know in the general election campaign. It's all very well spending an extra billion a year, but it seems that that's what we need now the health service to kind of stand still, and that that isn't actually delivering improvements. And if that is Which the is case, quite then really. I think you've got to start asking questions about uh, what happens now. In fairness, there's a new boss in the HSE, Paul Reed, very good record. He does appear to have got much better control of the finances since he, he came on board. So he might crack the whip. So let's, um, you know, let's give him a chance. Okay, Cliff, we'll just move off the budget uh, for a finally, finally question and ask you about Brexit. Right. I was afraid you were going to say that. You are a resident <laughs> Brexit expert. And One of the... More manoeuvres uh, this week in uh, in this whole um, saga, shall we yeah. say. Uh, what's your read of it all? Oh, gosh, it's got very... Uh, it's got very uh, frosty and difficult now, I think, between the UK and the EU. And one of the difficult things from this from this side of the pond, even, even in London, is trying to interpret the signals that are coming out of 10 Downing Street. There was a leak to the Spectator today of a memo, uh, you know, with all kinds of threats to the rest of Europe if they didn't, uh, if, if they if they agree to an extension. You know, is, is that leak speaking for the British Prime Minister or is it speaking for some of his advisors? You know, what would actually happen? Is it is it a bluff? I, you know, I, I just don't know. But I think what is clear is, that, you know, there won't be a deal at the summit next week. Um, you know, it's, it's just not going to happen. Uh, even if there was a deal possible, we've run out of time and I, and I don't think there is even the basis for a deal. So then we're into the question of, does the Ben Act, the, the law that was passed obliging the uh, UK to ask for an extension, do, you know, does that work, if you like? Is Boris Johnson forced to either ask, ask for an election or to resign and allow somebody else, or an extension or, or, and... and uh, resign or get somebody else to ask for an extension in that case and then you head to a general election in the UK that seems to be kind of the central view that people are generally expecting but goodness knows you know a no deal threat is by no means off the table at the end of October um, and, and and even if it is even if there is an extension how long will the extension be for there's talk that the EU could try to put the gun to the UK's head to make a quick decision who knows? There's an awful lot up in the air at the moment and an awful lot of different views around the different European capitals on what should happen and how this should be handled and even a divergence mm-hmm. of views probably between um, between Macron and Merkel. So a lot of moving parts here and I wouldn't I wouldn't begin to, to forecast it and 
Well, well, who knows? That was we the could backdrop. Be sitting, we could be sitting here in a year's time talking about yet another Brexit-proofing budget from whomever uh, we could, to be yeah, minister we could. for finance at that time. I mean, best case scenario, um, some kind of extension is agreed. There's a UK election and there's some kind of deal thereafter and the UK then enters a two-year trans or year-and-a-half transition period, um, which gives Ireland a breather, if you like. Um, but then that creates another deadline and another uncertainty, so... It's going to roll on, I'm afraid. No matter what happens, it's going to roll on. All right. Well, on that cheery note, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Jennifer Bray, Cliff Taylor, Fiona Redden and Liam Diamond. Jennifer Ryan produced the show with Declan Conlon as sound engineer. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. You can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 